Please note, this episode references suicide, substance abuse and mental health issues. If you have been affected by the issues referenced in this episode, please find details of health and support services in the show notes. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Well, this is really nice to be doing this because we had spoke about doing it face-to-face, but um, obviously current current situation doesn't allow for that. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Josh. It's it's a pleasure to meet you over the internet. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, Josh, I contacted you a wee while ago because I discovered, I think it was your Instagram page, but I'm also on your Facebook um, page as well. And um, I, I guess I should say I'm, I'm speaking to Josh Quigley. And I can't remember when it was, but I came across your your page and, and saw what you were doing and was just totally intrigued by it and started following your journey. But I think I, I was late to the party. I'm not sure where I came in in your story. So I guess my first question is, why did you embark on going around the world on your bike? So before I answer that, I would just say the later the better, <laughs> because so much of the stuff in the beginning just makes me cringe looking back on it. <laughs> the, later, the later you start following me, the happier that makes me feel. Right now. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to need to go and do like a social media like dive, like back. I need to scroll way back. <laughs> Aye, so so basically, like, in a nutshell, this is what happened. The end of 2014, I went through a breakup, which was the most difficult event I've ever been through in my life, and you know, I just found that really difficult. Slipped into quite a big depression and. You know, I don't say that so people feel sorry for me or think that, you know, I was an angel and, you know, I had my heart broken or anything like that. It was, quite frankly, I was I was just a classic sort of young Scottish guy who loved, you know, living for the weekend, going to the pub, had a big, massive group of mates. And that was just, you know, my, my priority in life was just, just loved living for the weekend. And, you know, that obviously is not the sort of best traits that a girlfriend would be looking for. And, you know, I, I paid the price for that. And, you know, so my, my relationship came to an end and I just... I just found that devastating. It was just so hard to deal with and I just fell into a really big depression. And, you know, I was I was drinking and doing a lot of drugs at the time just to deal with it. That was my, my way of dealing with it. And that went on for about six months. And in that six-month period, the whole time I had had this depression, but also, you know, I was just had these suicidal thoughts as well. I was thinking about killing myself every single day pretty much. And I just eventually got to a point in May 2015 where I actually tried to kill myself. You know, I I drove my car into a concrete barrier at 70 mile an hour and was very lucky to survive. And that's that was, I suppose, the real turning point in my life. And that was when I decided, right, you know what, I need to I need to do something different. I kind of keep living my life this way. And I was looking for something different. I was looking for change. I was looking for, you know, a new path to follow. And I decided to stop drinking and doing drugs and just started doing something different. And that's naturally where, where the cycling came into it. It was about a few months after that, when I was in the hospital, I'd I just randomly happened to be at an event in Edinburgh where Chris Hoy was speaking. And I was just so inspired by his story. And I remember just being in the audience and I thought, fuck it, I'm going to cycle around the world. That, that was it. And I was, at that time, I was like, you know, quite overweight, out of shape, not fit. You know, I was drinking and that all the time because I was still struggling to give that up. 
I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to change. I knew that I couldn't keep living my life that way. And cycling around the world was like the perfect thing. And so, you know, as a very unfit, overweight amateur, or not even an amateur cyclist, because I wasn't even a cyclist. That was, I just decided I was going to try and cycle around the world. And that was, that was my way of doing it. It was never really about the bike. It was just, you know, it was a journey I needed to go on and you know get away from the life I was living in Scotland so that's that's pretty much why I started cycling in the beginning. Wow I mean to see someone speak like Chris Hoy and just decide to embark on such a massive undertaking that's such a pivotal moment for you to decide right that's it I'm getting on a bike that you know did you even own a bike? No I didn't even have a bike you know I was lucky that I got sponsored and I had a lot of help and support for people but you know when I had that idea you know I didn't have a bike I didn't know anything cycling yeah. I didn't even know if anybody had ever cycled around the world I didn't even know if it was a thing you know it was just I was so far away from being a guy who was capable of cycling around the world but you just needed obviously something massive like that like a huge task to take on maybe something that was totally out of your comfort zone and totally different to what your life was looking like at that time oh absolutely I'm just I know who I am I'm like I'm, I'm very you know I'm a very extreme individual I'm very all or nothing I'm very very black and white you know, I've always been outrageously ambitious. And, you know, although when I tell you all that stuff about what I was like, you know, when I was younger and stuff with, with the drinking drugs, I was there was another side to that, which was, you know, I was functioning, a functioning guy Monday to Friday, you know, I had my own business. I was what you might call successful. So I was always had that side to me, but, you know, that obviously had the side to me as well that kind of came out of the weekends. You know, I knew I was capable. I knew what I could do when I put my mind to something. And, I just knew that, you know, I was never the sort of guy who was just going to start cycling and, you know, go out for an hour a day whilst living in Scotland. I needed something massive just to just to focus on, I suppose. And just, I think the big thing for me as well is that I needed to get out of Scotland. That was just, at the time, I, you know, I blamed Scotland for a lot of my problems. It was only I didn't live in Scotland and all that. Only if there wasn't this big drinking culture, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I would be able to stop drinking. But it was, you know, the problem was obviously me. But I just, at that time, I felt like I had to get away because it just, all my relationships were dominated by alcohol. It was just so hard being who I was and living where I lived and trying to be a guy who didn't drink. That was my entire life growing up. And, you know, all my mates, all my relationships, my entire social life was just dominated by that. And so I just felt, you know, I need to get out of Scotland and I need to just go and do something different for a period of time. And, you know, that was that was my that was where my head was at, at that time. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would, you know, sympathise with that and relate to that. You know, just being in a culture, it's very difficult to branch out and, and do something very out of the ordinary and very different. What was like other people's reaction to um so I'm gonna cycle around the world, right? Hi, <laughs> well, everybody obviously thought I was mental, which is which is what you would expect. But I don't know, I just I just knew I had to do it and that's why, you know, I, that is why I done it. I just I knew it was crazy, I knew it was cra- I knew it was mental, but I think for me what I, what I knew was I knew that through where I was to where I wanted to be, I was gonna to have to make a massive leap and it was gonna require some sort of massive action as well and cycling in the world was just the perfect solution for me so where do you start where did you start what you know was it getting a bike first and going a a cycle to see if you even liked being on a bike i didn't i know it sounds mental saying this now but i didn't even train for it um i basically set off about six months after i had the idea and you know so much of that time was just spent really just trying to make it happen like trying to trying to get sponsors trying to get partners trying to get people on board trying to get a bike so there wasn't really that much time left for the actual training. And so I eventually set off in the May 2016 for the first attempt at Round the World. And when I started that, there really wasn't any plan. It was just 
get the hell out of this country as fast as I can. Just I was basically just pedaling south. Like I knew I was heading towards the bottom of England and trying to get the boat to France and then be there, who knows? I was I was really just kind of making it up as I went. You know, to say it was life changing would just be a massive understatement. It was just so transformational. I, I basically spent like a whole year cycling around Europe, done about ten thousand miles, fourteen countries, and you know, after that I was like so happy, I was so healthy, I was so fit, I was in such great shape, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, I was just feeling so amazing and, you know, I'd spent that year basically travelling around Europe on my bike, you know, seeing so much Europe, meeting so many amazing people, just seeing and experiencing so much, you know, it was just, just so transformational and so about a year in, you know, I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't really need to do this anymore, I don't need to cycle around the world, it's, it's, it's kind of job done, it's, that's how I interpreted at the time it was always you know it was never about the bike for me in the beginning it was always just a vehicle or a tool and in the same way that somebody you know if somebody's feeling the way I was feeling back then they might you know try meditation or you know they might go to counseling you know that was what the bike was for me it was just one of those tools that you can use to improve your mental and emotional state and so yeah I got to that point where I was like a year in feeling so amazing I thought you know what I I think I can come home now and and that's what I've done. And did you have a a plan or a path way that you had then got this kind of clarity that of what you were going to do next with your life? Nah, I think I think that was a problem. So basically what happened was I came home to Scotland and, you know, for the first couple of weeks it was amazing just to be, you know, to be back home in the place that I grew up and the place that I love and, you know, so passionate about Scotland and to be there and to be happy after how I'd felt in most of 2015 was just so amazing. But Eventually, you know, I just started to struggle again, which was partly because I just started to, you know, fall back into old habits and, you know, started drinking again, started going to the pub. It was just so easy to do that. And, you know, I really struggled with that again. And eventually, you know, what I started doing was I just I started to get back in the bike and I would go away and try and cycle around the world again. And I would come home and then I would go away and I'd come home. And I basically got into this pattern of having like, you know, three or four more attempts at cycling around the world. And then eventually had about like, you know, five or six attempts. And I was just always going away and I was always trying it. But then I was there was never really any commitment to the challenge. It was, as I said earlier, it was just uh, it was just this tool that I used. Anytime I felt shit, I would go away cycling. Anytime I felt great, I would come home. Okay. Like a like a band-aid, like a plaster, like stick it on until it feels better and then take it off. Yeah, that was it. It was just this tool that I used. It was never never about the bike, but I think the, the the whole purpose thing was big because, you know, when I was cycling in the world, I had so much purpose. Like, you woke up, you know what you had to do, you know where you were trying to cycle, you know how many miles you were trying to do. You know, there was so much focus there. But when I came back to Scotland, you know, that wasn't really there. So that I think that's why I struggled. And, you know, that, that was a real, you know, there was there's a few different chapters in my life and that was definitely one, that sort of period, you know, after I came home for the first cycle. Yeah, because I guess, like, thinking about now and what's going on in the world just now, there'll be a lot of people struggling with their mental health because they're not at work, they're not, you know, maybe being of service to other people or they're not in a routine where they feel that they have a purpose. Right now, there'll be a lot of people in limbo and I can I can almost, like, equate that to how you were feeling then, that you, you had this purpose, you were getting up every day and you were cycling and you were on this kind of journey physically and, like spiritually and mentally and then to come home and then feel like you had no direction it's quite easy to I guess slump into old habits and old ways of thinking yeah absolutely I think I think the big thing for me is that you know I just think that 
it basically comes down to very simply like do you have a reason to wake up every day and you know that that can you know come in so many different forms for people it could be you know your work career it could be kids it could be you know it could be a million different things but for me like you know at the moment it's cycling for me and it always sort of has been in the last few years I just feel that you know having something to work towards you know you know the best way to put it for me it's that I love setting goals and it's not really about because I think that when I achieve them that anything's going to change or anything's going to be better in my life or I'm going to be happier. It's just because I love waking up and having something to work towards. Like, see, just having something to chase, something to aim for, something to aspire to, it just, it makes me happy day to day just to be in the pursuit of something. I don't care what happens when I get it. Like, sure that when you achieve that goal, it's going to be an amazing moment. It's going to feel so special. It's going to be really great. But I know what it's like to, to set and achieve goals. And it's the following day when I wake up, I'm like, right, next one let's go and that's that's just the way i am it's it's you could maybe counter to that and say you know what or you know maybe just always searching for something you're never settled it's not that it's the complete opposite of that it's just i get enjoyment and i get happiness from being in the pursuit of certain things and that's that's what it is about for me for the focus and the purpose yeah to, to enjoy the moment and to enjoy the journey and not be constantly focused on when I get this. It's the classic, you know, when I get a big house, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. I think they're, we're all guilty, if that's the right word to use, of thinking that things will be better when we achieve things, when we get to that angle. And really, it's about, you know, we almost like miss the journey when we're on it because we're too busy looking ahead. Aye, you're spot on. You know, there's a quote for me that's, you know, kind of sums it up and it's, you know, set a goal so big that in the process of achieving it, you become someone worth becoming. And that that's really it. It's, it's not about the achievement of the goal. It's about who you become in the process of achieving that goal. And that's, you know, that's that's really it, very simply for me. So who have you become? I have became a superhuman athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. You know, having watched a lot of your videos and stuff that you've documented on on your kind of, your most recent journey, I guess, um, I mean, the miles and the effort, you know, and the different terrains and obviously the weather, that, that everything that you've had to endure during some of your kind of longest cycles, like, I'm just like, how are you doing that? Uh, it's just, you know, it's just been such a fascinating journey. And, you know, just to, it's probably relevant at this point to, you know, update a wee bit of the story and how I kind of got there. So mm. I said to you a wee bit earlier about, you know, I've had all those attempts of cycling around the world and I was going away and I was coming back. And basically I got to a point April last year, just just actually past the you know the one year anniversary, April the fourteenth, which was a big day for me last year. I'd had all these attempts at cycling around the world, and you know I I went and done it, and I pulled out, and I went and done it, and I pulled out. You know I was letting down sponsors, and it was just really you know a horrible time for me. And I had, I had a situation last April where I had I had a company who still wanted to sponsor me. You know Alexno Europe, they're my sponsor. They were wanting to sponsor me to to go around the world, and I'd pulled out the challenge a million times, and I thought right, Josh. You've tried to do this now six times, right? There's clearly something within you, son, that wants to do this. And there's also something within you that keeps stopping you. And I always interpreted that as, you know, my truest self, my highest self, you know, the greatest version of myself is that driving force. But there's fear in there that's stopping me. And I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to cycle around the world, but this time I'm going to commit to it. And this time I'm not going to stop until I finish. And that's, you know, I've had so many, you know, like defining turning moments in my life, you know, obviously being in hospital was one, you know, the breakup was one, you know, deciding to go into cycling was one. But 
I don't think there's any moment or any you know period of my life greater than the decision to commit to cycling around the world because what that done for me was I set off on April the 14th last year and I said right I'm going to cycle around the world no matter what I'm going to finish it and I'm not going to stop until that happens and I basically just kept moving forward every single day and you know within a few months within 50 days I was in Turkey, I was in Istanbul, I'd already cycled across Europe. Within a few months, I was already like in China, you know, within about four months, I was in Australia. I really, I just hammered it. And what happened was, you know, when I started cycling, it was, as I said to you earlier, it was never really about the bike. It was, I never looked at myself as an athlete. I was never, you know, really caring about how many miles I'd done or, you know, how fast I was going or, you know, it was never about performing Mm. anything to do with, like, you know, the athletic side of cycling. It was just like this vehicle for something bigger, which I was looking for something. I was searching for something. It was a tool for my own well-being. But because I committed to the challenge and I was doing it consistently every day, we no stop. We no sorry. We no stop and starting all the time. And basically, I got so fit and I got so strong. And I got to the point where you know I was. I started off cycling kind of like fifty miles a day. And by the end of that challenge last year, I was cycling like two hundred miles a day. And I was just. The most important thing is that I was just absolutely loving it. Like, uh, you know, all those years of having those attempts. And, you know, when I was on the bike in those earlier attempts, I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do in my life? Like, where am I going to go from here? And it was just so funny how in the end, you know, the thing that I was meant to do was the thing that I was sitting on the whole time. <laughs> I'd never seen it like that before. And it's weird how I could not see that, even though that's the thing that I was doing every day. You know, In my head, you know what I thought? I always thought, April April 2019 last year when I set off that challenge I thought in my head if you asked me what's going to happen I'd say I'm going to find, finish cycling around the world and then I'll spend the rest of my life as a motivational speaker telling the story how you know I overcame the depression and the suicide attempt and cycled around the world I thought that was genuinely my path right. when I finally committed to it I actually realized that you know that the bike was actually a thing and that's what I was meant to do and I was clearly had a talent for that and and I'm just so passionate about the bike and the cycling. And that's, you know, that's my entire life now is cycling. I've just, because I've just committed to it. And I think that one of the greatest things that I've done for me last year as well is that, you know, so many of those earlier attempts, it could be something so simple. Like, you know, I was cycling one day and it was like wet and windy and I was freezing. And I was thinking to myself, fuck this, I'm going home. I would, I would do that sometimes. But see, because I had that commitment to the goal, you know, that was never an option. Like coming home was never an option last year. Stopping cycling was never an option. The only option was finishing it and to keep moving forward. And what that done for me is it just took away any doubts. It took away any fears because there was no point doubting it because it was what I was doing. Like there was no point sitting on the bike, going into a headwind thinking, you know, I didn't want to do this because it was the only thing I could do because I committed to it. And I was, that was the only way forward. And what that done for me was it just, made me so mentally tough and so resilient and there was you know there were so many obstacles last year like I you know my bike got stolen at one point and I had to find a new bike you know I was ill for a time in Azerbaijan I got ill in China you know my passport got damaged in Australia and I had to fly home I was in a very serious accident in America you know got hit at an hour I'm sure we'll speak about that in depth later yeah. but you know so many things happened and if I think about if all those things had happened on the previous attempts, like for example, on one of those early times, my bike getting stolen is probably the sort of thing that I would have just thought, fuck it, bike's gone, let me go home. But because I had that commitment to it, it was just like, right, I need to find another bike because quitting this thing's not an option. And so when I said to you earlier about becoming a superhuman athlete, I was obviously sort of joking a wee bit, but you know what? I wasn't joking. Like I just, I genuinely feel like I have become superhuman in the sense of, there's nothing that could happen to me now that I wouldn't overcome. Like, I just feel so mentally tough and so resilient. 
I just feel so determined and just honestly, just so like things would just bounce off me now. Like, things would just bounce off me. And as the thing that I said a minute ago, you know, the car crash in America, to go through that and then get back on a bike as fast as I did just was a real, you know, acid test. It showed me just how mentally tough I've become. Like I never, I never once doubted getting back on the bike after all those, all, the, all that time in hospital. It was just, you know, I'm getting back on the bike no matter what because I've got a challenge to finish. So. I mean, all of the pitfalls, you know, I mean, in terms of like passports getting damaged and, you know, bikes getting stolen, they're one thing that, you know, that obviously taught you a lesson that you you could still keep going. They were just forks in the road. They were just kind of obstacles that you had to overcome. But then your accident's like a whole other, a whole other realm. Is that is this the universe telling me to stop? Is this the universe telling me this is ridiculous or this is, you know, unachievable or this is dangerous? But for you, it was like, no, I'm still, I'm still very much there. My my head's still very much in the game. I just, I need to overcome the injuries and anything that I'm going to have to deal with in the next however many months to get back on that bike. You know, I, I could tell you it's all about the bike, but I still think that, you know, the bike, although I'm so passionate about the bike and the bike is my thing, I still think that the, me and the bike is going to be to serve something greater in the sense of I'm the I'm the guy who, you know, was down and out, who tried to kill himself, who had depression, who was, you know, abusing his body with drugs and alcohol and then went on to become the athlete that I am. Like I just think that's forgetting about me for a minute, I just think that's such an inspiring story and such an inspiring journey and such an inspiring message to anybody who's you know to anybody who's been where I've been all those years ago. Although it seems like a lifetime ago now, it is only like, you know, four or five years ago. And so when, when I think, when you said that thing there about, you know, the obstacles, is this, is this like, you know, the universe telling you to stop starting? It's so fascinating. You mentioned that because, you know, I've questioned that at times, but I actually don't believe it is because I, I, I genuinely believe that the more obstacles that I, I face and I encounter, the, the more inspiring it is for other people to follow. Like if you think about if I was to set off April the 14th last year and cycle around the world and nothing went wrong, it just went perfect the whole time. I'm sure it would always be inspiring. It would be fun to watch, and it, you know, people would still get something from it. But it's a million times better for the fact that you know I got beat up so badly by a car in America, and I was in hospital, and I had to fly home, and I was sick. And people take so much for that. It's so interesting you say that because I've had a similar conversation with Ross Jennings, who's going around the world piping in every country, plays the bagpipes, and he said the exact same thing. If something doesn't go wrong. It almost like doesn't feel like you know as much of an achievement when you've been able to overcome like you know things that he's had to overcome and, and nearly not getting into countries or getting into trouble or whatever it's been. Those make for the more inspiring, interesting stories. Aye, hundred percent. If you think about like when I set off to cycle around the world in twenty sixteen for the first time, right? See if I just done it. Like, it was him him within a year and I'd done it. It would have always been a great story because the, the reason why I'd done it and, you know, how I started and how out of shape and, you know, the depression, all that stuff. But it's a far greater story now for all the stuff that went wrong and all the times I quit and all the times I came home and the car crash, and, you know, the illnesses, like just the bike getting stolen. It's such a better story. And it's... I love that attitude. No regrets and all that. It's absolutely my attitude. I just, for, for me, there's only two things that can happen in my life. Things either go to plan and things work, which is great because that's what you want to happen. Or it doesn't go to plan. It just makes a better story. And, you know, if anything does go wrong, then you know what? It's an obstacle. You overcome it. You learn something. You become more resilient. And you crack on. And that's it. And the thing that's so important about this as well is that it's like I've always 
related it to you know you see the concept of, you know like building muscle right like physically in your body like when you lift weights say for example you're doing like a like a bicep curl and you're just trying to get bigger biceps like a lot of guys like to have right <laughs> if you think about that process what actually happens is you know you lift up the weight and because it's quite heavy it breaks down the muscle and the reason your bicep gets bigger is actually when it, you know you break it down you damage it and then it comes back stronger after that and i just think that is such a fascinating process when you think about we're essentially human beings operating under that same intelligence and you know i think that every time you go through adversity or every time you go through something every time something goes wrong you just you bounce back but you don't come back to the level you were at before that thing happened you come back stronger every time because for me for example the greatest example right now is i just survived my second 70 mile an hour car crash hospitalized for five weeks all these injuries there's so many injuries and I now know that I can overcome that and I'm back in the bike and I'm training again and I'm moving forward. So I now know that, you know, if I'm on the bike again, I get hit again. And obviously assuming that I don't die, I know I can I know I can come through another injury. I know I can come through another crash. You know, thinking you can do that and believing you can do it and actually doing it are two different things. And just having that experience just makes you so much stronger. Honestly, I just feel so bulletproof in my life right now. I just feel like there's like there's nothing that could happen that I just wouldn't overcome. Like you've got so much clarity about who you are and what you're you're capable of. And that is just through all the adversity that you're faced and, you know, picking yourself up and, and trying and trying again. And all the lessons learned, like we must fail in inverted commas in order to succeed. I think that's just wonderful that you've now got that outlook on life and what you're able and capable of doing. I see, see on the clarity thing, I think that this is a massive lesson. I'm actually really excited to share this because... You know, the reason, one of the reasons why I feel so happy and so just so amazing in my life right now is because I have, you know, I have decided that cycling is my life and I've picked that and I've committed to it and I know what the next 20 years of my life look like, right? You know, I spent three or four years kind of searching and changing my mind and stopping and starting and stopping and starting. I see just having that doubt about what direction you're following in life. It's just so agonizing and it's such a privileged problem, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's agonizing. And see now, I've just decided that, you know, it's me and the bike for here on out. And what that what that does for you, see when you just eliminate all the other choices, that's part of the reason why I feel so bulletproof is that, you know, see now if I'm out on the bike, and I'll give you a really great example. A couple of weeks ago, I was cycling up in Fife. And, you know, I was just, it'd been quite a heavy week of training. I was feeling a bit fatigued, going into the wind. And I thought, this is horrible. But why am I doing this? And, I, and then I thought to myself instantly, quickly, I thought, well, this is what you're doing, Josh. You better fucking enjoy it, son, because there's nothing else that you're going to do. And honestly, it just, it's so effective because it doesn't matter how I feel anymore. What that, what it does and the superpower of that is that, you know, I've made so many decisions in my life based on feeling and based on emotion. You know, I'm out on the bike and it's cold and I think I hate this and I make a decision to stop. Whereas now I don't make any decisions on emotion or how I feel. It's just, that's the thing that I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And I think there's just so much value in pe- for people and just picking something and committing to it and think this is going to be my thing and I'm going to roll with it. That strength of character. I mean, you're not out cycling with a team who are, you know, motivating you and pushing and, you know, and helping each other to complete something. I think that's testament to your strength of character that you've not had somebody in you you're going come on get yourself together what you're moaning about you know you see these people doing challenges i'm thinking um eddie Izzard when he did all the crazy marathons like he would have had a team there 
obviously spurring him on, and he did, and he, essentially he did it. He 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 was the the person who did it, but he had other people there being his biggest cheerleaders. You don't have that. You didn't have that, but you still kept going. But in saying that, were there people that you met along the way that encouraged you or inspired you to keep going? Because I guess you were still having moments of interaction with people around the world. You know that's that's a great question. You know I think that I would I would start by saying you know. I've, I've all, I think what I've been able to do in the last few years, and this, you know, this is something that I've always had, right, which is that I've always had outrageous self-belief. Like, I've always just believed in myself so much. And, and to just to be really honest, I actually don't know where it comes from. I don't know. I've just always thought, to put it really honestly, I've, I've always thought I was amazing. Like, I always thought I was incredibly talented and I had so much to offer the world. I was always so ambitious. And obviously, I had had about six months in my life where I kind of obviously lost that, you know, when that when I that period in twenty fifteen, I was so depressed, and you know, it's that was so out of character for me because you know I did believe myself so much, and I think that will tell you just the magnitude of how I was actually feeling in that time where you know somebody who could believe in themselves so much could actually decide to to end their life, mm. and I, I think largely that comes from a comes from my own self belief, but I think you know I've I've had I've had so many people that have inspired me along the way just all the people that you know have inspired me like and, and the most at the moment it's just I, i've been really inspired by other athletes you know people that have really done stuff and you know people that have just decided to believe in themselves and to keep going and you know i think i'm sort of lucky in the sense of i've always had this sort of wee inner voice in my head that was just believing in me and believing in me i think what what I've been able to do over the last year, especially, like I've really accelerated it, is that I've essentially, we've all got this kind of wee voice in our head and it's going to say, you know, different things depending on, you know, how we grew up or our conditioning and all these different things. But I've essentially got like the greatest, like my number one fan lives in my head and it's my, that wee voice. Like my, my biggest supporter is me. There's nobody. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have, you know, so many people that actually, you know, follow me and believe in me. And there's like, there's really, really so many people now. And I'm so blessed to have that. But I think that starts because I believed in myself so much. And I think that one of the reasons why I think so many people have connected with me and so many people have, you know, related to me and, you know, believed in me is because I believed in myself. And, you know, I was I was the guy who was overweight and unfit and was depressed and told the world that he was going to cycle around the world. And I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, that, that meant something to them because, you know, when people put themselves out there and say they're going to do something, you know, people... It takes courage and people respect that. And so, yeah, yeah I, think that, I think that, you know, I have been lucky to have so many people that believe in me. But the truth is that most of it comes from myself. I've just always believed in myself because I just think that I'm such a black and white guy. Like, I'm so all or nothing. And for me, it's like I can either believe in myself or doubt myself. And what one am I going to choose? I really admire that because Scotland, generally, we don't... We're not in a culture of saying... Do you know what? See me, I'm amazing. But we tell our kids in schools that that's how they should feel about themselves, that believing yourself, you are amazing. But we don't go about telling ourselves that often. And I really admire your honesty, that that is you, that that was you. You were someone who thought that they could do anything that they put their mind to and that they did think they were amazing. And so you should. You are amazing. Of course you are. But that we don't tend to to hear people big themselves up in Scotland. If anything, we're quite self-deprecating. So I admire like you being open about that because it might inspire other people to be like, Do you know what? 
I'm amazing and I can do that if I want to do it. Aye, I think, you know, it's such a great point and something that, you know, I'm so passionate about Scotland. Like, you, you honestly, you'll not find somebody who loves this country more than me. I'm just so big in it. And But one of the things that I have always said is, is one of my few criticisms of this country is it is that mentality of, you know, somebody who's somebody who's confident, somebody who's, you know, done well for themselves. You know, sometimes there can be this attitude like, you know, who does he think he is or, you know, he's, and I, you know, the worst one is, this is the absolute worst one, and it's so fascinating when you actually, like, you know, study it, is this thing when somebody's confident and people say, like, he's fully himself. And if you think about that statement, he's fully himself, it's like, again, using that black or white thing, you know, what's the opposite of being fully yourself? What, just being empty and just totally hating yourself? Like, it's, it's you know, the most interesting thing is, that, you know, I've been very lucky to travel and go to different countries and stuff, you know. One of the countries that I've always loved and I always wanted to go to is America. And I just think that, you know, America is such an amazing place in the sense of, you know, over there, you know, people are just confident by default. If there was one thing Scotland could change about its people, it would definitely be, you know, transitioning from that mindset to actually making it more socially acceptable to actually say, you know what, I'm actually really good at that or I'm brilliant at this and I'm brilliant at that. And, you know, I don't I don't care. I just I say it because to me, the alternative is far worse. I'm never going to walk around and say, you know, I'm shit at this and I'm shit at that. The interesting thing about that is I actually so many things that I'm shit at, but I just know what I'm good at and I just focus on that. I think, you know, I just, like, I'm so terrible at most stuff in life, but I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I'm really I'm really good at the few things that I focus on. You know what I mean? I think I genuinely believe everybody's good at something. I think there's something yes. everybody can can excel at. And, you know, I would love to sit here and give super motivational advice and say, you know what, everybody can go and cycle around the world. But, I'd, but I, I don't say that because I genuinely, it's, you know, you need to be certain, you have certain things to do that sort of thing. I think you need to understand what it is you're really good at. I've obviously spent quite a lot of time in hospital and rehab this year mm. after the crash in America. And that, that's the first time I've ever really been in hospital, you know, receiving treatment. I've also been to visit people and stuff like that. Seeing the level of care that I received, obviously the doctors were incredible. But see, like, the nurses, for example, like, see just interacting with nurses for, like, five weeks and having, like, a, having, like two or three nurses who are, like, looking after me every day and interacting with them, seeing them, watching them work and watching how they do stuff. I actually think people like see like nurses for example right? and they're totally superhuman like and when I talk about being superhuman it doesn't mean that you need to go and cycle in the world to be superhuman like you can be a nurse and be superhuman you can be like a teacher and be superhuman you can be like a chef and be superhuman it's like there are just so many people who are better brilliant at different things and I think that like for example when I even when I look at my mum like she's a she's a carer and she's just such an amazing like caring person I think that I've just been so blown away and admire, have so much admiration for nurses and doctors and medical staff after my experiences this year. Yeah. And when I look at most people, I think, you know what, they're, you know, there's no way they weren't put on the planet to do that. Like, they're just so born to do that. It's just something. And, and the reason why I say that is because when I'm talking about things that I'm crap at, I would be so bad at that. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, I'm so, you know, I would be, like, so bad at that because I'm just, to be brutally honest, I'm, I'm quite a, and I think a lot of athletes are like this and a lot of driven people are like this. I'm quite a selfish, kind of self-centered person. And I, I don't beat myself up about that. I just, I, I put it to, I use that as like fuel to do good things in the world, which I believe I'm doing for my cycling. But I'm just not the sort of person that could, you know, do that sort of care for people on that sort of scale. Well, it's all about finding your passion. And like, that's essentially what this podcast is about. You know, I'm just fascinated by people who have found what they're totally passionate about. And like you say, you can't be good at everything. You can't invest all your energy and efforts to the level that you are with cycling around the world. You can't invest your time and effort 
into a million things to that degree. So you, whether it be you're being a nurse or a carer or cycling around the world or sweeping the roads, whatever it is, whatever you want to do and whatever you find joy and makes your soul sing, then yeah, you're going to put all your effort and energy into that and you can't possibly give that to you know a million other things. You can't be spinning all the plates to that degree aye 100% I, I think that you know just really simply it's like, like the, the, some of the greatest advice I would have on that subject is you know I think working careers is so important because it's you know it's what we do like for so much time each week and you know for me I'm very lucky that that's now cycling but I think that you know see just finding something that you love and something that you're passionate about and then just doing it all the time and then importantly getting really good at it that to me is such a it's almost like magic and I think that that process you know finding something you love getting good at it and then you know improving and growing that you know the thing i love about my cycling so much is that you know it's not just about going out and riding the bike it's you know see when i feel like i'm growing and i'm progressing i'm getting better i'm getting faster and i'm getting fitter that is just such an incredible feeling and it's finding that thing you love and then getting better at it and continually improving yourself every day is just such a beautiful feeling i love it have there been countries that you've ticked off that surprised you have been different to what you imagined what does travel in the world really look like and feel like and sound like and all of those good things sometimes I forget how much I've actually traveled because it's just became such a part of my life but you know when I look at the map I've actually been so lucky to go so many places I think you know like way back in the Way back in the beginning when I first started traveling, like 2016, that was just so life-changing for me because, you know, I spent like 23 years in Scotland and my my traveling up to that point had been like, I'd go to Ibiza or I'd go to Tenerife or I'd go to like Amsterdam or I'd go to Newcastle. I never actually traveled, if that makes sense. But see, just like actually going and traveling properly, it's just, it's so life-changing. Just It's hard to even put any words what it is about it that's so life-changing, but I think what it boils down to is, you know, just just meeting people from other places will just expand your worldview so much. Because if you, you know, you grow up in one place and you think that that's just how things are done, then you go other place and you go, oh, wait a minute, they're doing that differently, and you realise that everything's different in the sense, like, you know, just so much cultures are just different. And I think that probably I don't even realise how cultured I actually am now because of travelling. And I think that it just, as I say, that just comes down to that. I think it comes down to the conversations of people you meet, and you know. I'm just, I'm so lucky now to have, you know, friends, you know, in so many countries like, you know, America, Australia, all over Europe, you know, I've got even got people like in Africa and people in Kazakhstan and I, it's just, honestly, I'm, I'm such a lucky human. I think that if MD ever gets a chance to travel, you need, you need to go and do it. Has there been like a standout place that was your favourite and why, why was that? The standout travel experience for me will, will always be my first cycle, like nothing will Nothing will ever come close to that first cycle because it's almost like you're like your first girlfriend, like you know, like, you know, your, your your first love. It's like you know, it's nobody can ever be your first love ever again. So they'll always be special to you in some way, and that's really what I started to look at. Like, see that like, that first year of traveling around Europe on my bike, like that's such a like I'm so nostalgic even reminiscing on that. That was just such a such an amazing year. If you think about it, right? I, I literally went from being a guy who lived in Scotland his entire life and who was really depressed and suicidal and was, you know, so out of shape and just hated life so much. And almost overnight, I went from that to being on a bike, cycling around Europe, meeting all these amazing people, seeing all these amazing places, reading all these amazing books, you know, feeling amazing, you know, just experiencing so much. And it was just, I never traveled. I was on my own. 
it was just it was so in the deep end but it was just yeah. it was so incredible like it was just the, you know the sort of sensory and experience overload that i was experiencing there was just so much happening every day it was so rich and there was so much happening it just when i think back to that period it's just wow like i would probably say that i'm happier now than i was then because you know i was still figuring it all out but i think there's there's something beautiful about when you've not got a clue and you're trying to figure it out <laughs> exactly and you know do you know what i would add on that as well like you know i feel one of the reasons why i feel so happy in my life now is because you know i feel like i've figured it out and i've not to say that i've got all the secrets of the universe or everlasting happiness but i, I found the thing that i'm going to do in my life and that was always a big question for me. It was when I was kind of in those early days, that was the, that was the thing I wanted to know. Like, what am I going to do in my life? Like, what am I going to give myself to? What am I going to spend my time on? And I've kind of found that. And that's one of the reasons why I feel so incredible. And I don't have to think about it. I don't have to consider it. I don't have to question it. It's just that's my thing and that's what I'm doing. I've committed to it. But see that period before, there's like a few stages of that. The stage before that, I look back on that really nostalgically as well. And I think that that's such a... That was such an amazing, and it's probably easier to look back on it and think it was amazing than to be in it. But that don't don't ever knock that stage for anybody. Don't ever think that's a bad place to be because see that place. One of the things that's amazing about that is that you can just try and taste and experience so many different things. You know, like in that period for me, like I was done so many different things. Like I even the most extreme examples. I went and lived with the monks in Nepal for a month. And you know, almost, almost became a Buddhist, and it was just so. It just that's when I look back and that, like, I spent a month living with monks in a Buddhist temple in the Himalaya mountains. Like, that's just such an incredible wow. life experience. And you know, there's so many things like that. Maybe not as good a story as that one, but there's just you know, I, I, I've done and tried so many things, and I think there's such there's so much to be gained from being in that period where you're trying stuff, and you've always got that excitement underneath it all that you know you might find that thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, coming out of school and it, or, or even just that, you know, when you're getting to the exam stage and people are starting to ask you the question, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? And I, I think a bit of life experience, just go and try stuff, go and see a bit of the world and, and try out a couple of different jobs. Maybe not necessarily going to try and be a monk in Nepal, but if that's what you want to do, do it. But whatever it is, like, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on young people to to know what you want to do and, and to just go after that right away when you haven't been out in the world. So I think you're right, you know, really just going out and trying different things. Don't don't see that as like, oh, he doesn't know what to be up to. That's a, I'm, I'm living, I'm actually living my life. Hi, do, you, do you know something that I think is important for me to add, add, on, add on that subject as well is that, you know, for me, what has worked for me is, you know, finding one thing and picking that thing and committing to that. But, you know, that might not be the way for everybody. And I think I'm just conscious of, you know, somebody listening to this right now, it's like, you know what, like I feel so far away from, you know, picking and committing to one thing. And I would just say that I don't think you need to do that either. I think there's a big question that I think that can really change things for a lot of people is, you know, rather than thinking, you know, like what am I going to do with the rest of my life? It's just like, what am I going to do right now? Yeah, but that's been a process for you. That that, that That's where your journey has led you to now. But like you say, you were back then trying different things. And, and like you're saying, no, there's nothing wrong with that. You have now just arrived at a place where right now you feel that you know exactly what you want to be doing and what you are going to be doing for the rest of your life. But 
that didn't happen overnight. Aye, 100%. I, yeah, I just I think that, you know, some people maybe like doing it a different way. I just The big challenge I had was just always thinking about what am I going to do and always doubting it and always debating it and always questioning it. And I just have so much peace of mind now because I don't have that. And I think that's that's the beautiful thing about, you know, just picking one thing and just rolling with it. And documenting your trips, was that something that sponsors were asking you to do or did you always feel that you just wanted? Because obviously you're talking about nostalgia and looking back and we quite often look back at photographs or, you know, footage of something and, and look at it fondly. Was that something you wanted for yourself or were you asked to do that? No, I'll, that was always that was always coming for me. Like I always wanted to document it, I always wanted to capture it. You know, I've always been very, you know, entrepreneurial and always had a good business head on me and a good marketing head as well. And I always knew that there would come a time where, I think I always deep down, I always knew there would come a time that I would do something and and all that stuff would, would, would fit into that. For example, like I always knew I was going to write a book at some point and I always knew there would be like a film and a documentary and all that. So I thought, I knew it was important to capture that. And, you know, that, that has been proven right for where I'm at now because, you know, for me, the path that I'm now on, you know, I'm going to become a pro cyclist and I'm going to be like a, professional athlete and all that sort of stuff which is so amazing and I've actually got all that video footage of me like when I first started out and I think that's just going to be so valuable like further down the line like it's just you know I've got I've got the videos when I was struggling to cycle 50 miles and then I've got the videos where I was you know absolutely flying for 200 so I've always been conscious of the story that I was writing I guess that's probably the best way to put it so I was always big into doing the, the social media and the documentation and the videos and the blog I feel like there's just so much value in, you know, people sharing their lives. Like, I just think it's so valuable. Like, you know, for, if you look at, for example, what I've done, like, with my YouTube channel, for example, like, I've got all my vlogs in there from the very beginning. And, you know, what you, what you can actually watch is, like, a real, you know, raw, authentic journey, a guy who starts out, you know, really depressed and goes all the way through that, you know, like four or 500 videos later to being a guy who's like really happy and, you know, loves his life. And in there, you can see all the different things I tried and all the mistakes and all the lessons. And I just think that's valuable. Like, it's just so valuable. I think that at, at the moment, what I'm trying to do is I'm I'm trying really hard to, you know, to document, you know, the, the more athletic side of what I'm doing, you know, ca- really capture my cycling because I, I know what is I'm working towards with my goals and stuff for cycling. And I think that for any any aspiring cyclist, that's just going to be so valuable because in cycling especially, there's not many people that share, you know, like their training, they don't share their numbers. It's very secretive, like, because people, the, the sort of old school way of thinking is, you know, they don't want their rivals to see, like, their numbers, they don't want to see them where they are. But I'm doing the complete opposite and I'm just sharing everything because, Firstly, because I want to be honest and transparent, but also I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to become a champion. I know I'm going to win all the things that I'm going to win. And I think that just having all that in the record from the beginning is going to be so cool. The best way to put it is, for example, right, imagine that Chris Hoy had a YouTube channel that he started when he was 17. Imagine how amazing that would be. Imagine being able to go back and watching Chris Hoy going out for his first training ride and watching him going from being 17-year-old Chris Hoy to being like, you know, the UK's most successful ever Olympian. And that is exactly what I'm going to document and do because I'm I'm going to achieve so many amazing big things in cycling. But I guess the real beauty, it's not really the goal. A little bit like I was talking about earlier, I'm going to actually show you how I've done it and it's just going to be so amazing. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I like documenting things. I love that. And the thing is, like you say, whether it be from the cycling aspect and the athleticism that someone might be really interested in and aspire to be, or just the story, the journey of your life and everything that you've been through, there'll be takeaways for everybody. And that, that you know, that's partly the reason why I started following you, because it, it seemed like an interesting story. I was, you know, intrigued by what you were doing. I, I don't have any aspirations to cycle. 
at all. But that doesn't mean I don't get something from following your journey. Ah, you know, I think that's, that's a great point. I think, you know, as I mentioned a little bit about earlier, you know, it's the bike in some ways is still a vehicle for, for you know, you, you don't need to be into cycling to follow me because I think my, my my journey, I suppose, is, is really a bit like, you know, perseverance and determination and resilience. And, you know, there's so much in there for everybody. So, no, there's so many lessons over and above the cycling. Obviously, having followed you for a while, you know, and I was invested in your story and every other day I would check in and see if there was a video from you. And then this one day I saw a horrific picture of you and was just like... Oh my goodness, and and I guess there was people all around the world who are totally invested in your story. It was like, oh my god, what's happened? Obviously, you have touched on that you were involved in a terrible accident, and can you account for any of that and what happened and and what life looks like for you at this moment in terms of your rehabilitation and everything that you've been through? Aye, so basically, I was I was almost finished cycling around the world. I was about you know fourteen thousand miles in. All I had to do was get across America from, you know, Los Angeles to New York, and I was all but finished the challenge. But when I was in Texas, I uh, got hit by a car and was, you know, it was very serious. The car was traveling at 70 mile an hour. Car hit me from behind. I flew 50 feet through the air, hit the ground, and then obviously can't remember much about that, but I can remember a helicopter arriving I think the the good thing, if there's any good thing about getting hit at 70 mile an hour, the good thing is that you don't really feel it because it just happens so fast and it's so intense and so impactful. So I didn't really feel it. I wasn't really in that much pain. It was just so much adrenaline. The body's quite good at dealing with that sort of stuff. And then obviously I was in hospital and I kind of came around and realized that, you know, what had happened and pretty much my injuries were I had, I had a fractured skull, I had a traumatic brain injury, I damaged one of the arteries in my neck. I had seven broken ribs, I had a punctured lung, I fractured one of the bones in my back, I had a fractured ankle, a fractured heel, and a fractured shin. So that was, you know, pretty some a long list of injuries. And I was in hospital in America for about three weeks, and then I was in a rehab centre for about two weeks as well in Texas because I wasn't allowed to fly home because of the hole in my lung, and that was obviously a problem for flying. Not, not even two weeks later in the rehab centre, I was on the bike, in the gym doing miles i was sitting in my wheelchair with a cast on my left ankle pedaling the, the pedals from my wheelchair and then i was back home to scotland after six weeks and then after six weeks i was also on the indoor trainer training indoors for a couple of weeks and then two months later pretty much i was back on the bike outside and you know and then since march I've been training you know 15 20 hours a week and you know just really build my fitness back you know i fully recover from injuries now feeling so fit, feeling so strong and feeling so determined. Like, you know, this has not bothered me or made me consider cycling in the slightest. The complete opposite, you know, I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that throughout all those weeks in hospital and rehab and throughout the entire process of being injured, I never once considered not getting back in the bike. Like, getting back in the bike was the thing that was driving me to, you know, to get better. And, you know, and I'm back doing the thing I love. I'm still here. I'm still going. And, you know, I feel pretty bulletproof because I know that I can overcome getting hit at 70 mile an hour. And it's not to say that, you know, if it happened again, I would be so lucky. But, you know, it just doesn't really matter. For me, it's just the mindset that's the most important thing. I know that I can go for an injury and come back. And so I feel bulletproof. 
this whole superhuman thing, right? I've been I've been pretty much saying that for about a year now, saying you know I'm superhuman, I'm superhuman, just saying it all the time, right? And I, it's almost it's a wee bit of a joke when I say it, but I, it's not like I genuinely believe like I'm not human, right? But it's it's more it's more a, it's more a mindset in the sense of it's of course it's about like what to me superhuman means. It means that you you just you have infinite belief and you believe that your potential and that your capabilities are just limitless, and that's really what it's all about, and that. I don't think it's a coincidence, right, that after calling myself superhuman for an entire year and repeating it to myself every day and talking about it on social media and putting it on posts, I then get hit by a car at 70 mile an hour and walk away pretty much unscathed in the long term. You know, like I'm three months after that, I am now back on a bike. I'm fully fit. You know, I'm, you know, I'm no injuries at all. And, you know, that I don't think it's a coincidence that I call myself superhuman and I, I almost just that sort of just bounced off me. Like it's... It could have been so much different. And I think that I think the fact that I call myself superhuman, I tell myself I'm superhuman, I genuinely, genuinely at the bottom of my heart believe that that played a part in how I recovered from that and how I survived that and how it could have killed me, but I never. Yeah, it's a mentality. It's a way of thinking. And, and like you said earlier on, you know, the treatment that you received, you know, was just incredible. And, that, you know, that's you're not taking anything away from the people that saved your life, essentially, and put you back together. But then to be in hospital and be, you know, sitting with all these injuries and, and to still be on that that mindset of I'm going to get back on the bike and I'm going to be cycling whenever whenever possible, whenever the earliest possible moment is, I think that's it's nothing to take away from the care that you received. That kind of superhuman mentality that you had also was able to get you through the power of positive thinking aye no 100% obviously I received a lot of amazing medical care and I received loads of amazing help with doctors and nurses and physios and all that and it's not taking anything away for that it's just saying that one of the doctors actually said to me one of the doctors that flew out from I had to get a doctor who flew home with me and when we met up for the first time in Texas he says to me you know just quite honestly Josh you you're probably alive because of how fit you were he said that you know that's you know, one of the reasons why I recovered so well was because of my, you know, I'd, I'd spent eight months cycling around the world, cycled almost 15,000 miles in eight months. I was so fit going into that. And when I got hit and, you know, I had a punctured lung, like I had a hole in my lung. It was supposed to take like six weeks to heal and it healed in three. So. Wow. Amazing. So what's next for you? I mean, obviously, but we're, we're all unsure about, you know, what's next. But in terms of what what is your goal? What is your plan? What are you working towards right now? So I obviously still need to finish cycling around the world and that was on that was meant to happen in April. Like I was planning on going back to Texas in April and finishing the cycle. I had about three and a half thousand miles to go, which I would have finished in three weeks. Obviously that's not been able to happen because of the coronavirus thing. So that's just on hold for the moment. But basically my plan for after cycling around the world, my next big mission is to win the Tour de France. I'm going to become the first ever Scottish winner of the tour. That is an absolute certainty. That is my big mission. That's my big goal. That's my big plan. That's that is basically my entire life. It's what I think about every day. It's what I'm working towards. And so basically, the roadmap for that and how that looks like is that I'm I'm now my big goal at the moment to work towards that bigger mission of the Tour de France is to become a professional cyclist. I need to get signed by one of the professional teams. So. I'm now working towards that at the moment. I've now got a coach, espresso cycle coach in there. My, they're my coaches now. So we're working towards a plan to, you know, get me to turn pro and then, you know, win the Tour de France. That's it, really. Amazing. 
absolutely amazing. I wish you every success, like uh, everything you've said and everything you've been through. There's nothing you can't do. Hi, I think it's, it starts with, you know, the intention and the visualisation. And, you know, I think that a human being who's prepared to actually say, I'm going to do that and then tell the world about it and then constantly tell the world about it on a daily basis, that's very, very powerful. And, you know, there's so much momentum behind what I'm doing now. There's, you know, so many people who believe in me, so many people who support me and, you know, I'm my biggest supporter as well. You know, I've got that drive there. I know what I'm working towards and it's just, for me, it's an absolute certainty it's going to happen and it's not taking away from any of the hard work that's going to be required for that because I know how hard it's going to be and it's not going to happen overnight. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not about what happened once I do that, which is always going to be so life changing, but it's more about, you know, the process and the journey of getting there and who who do I need to be to achieve that goal? And, you know, the person that I'm going to become in that process is, you know, just quite incredible. Josh, I do this thing on the podcast called The Thingamabobs, and this is just to get to know my guests a wee bit better. I have a list of like 70 odd questions, but I've picked out a few for you today. So my first one is, if you could only hear one song from now on, what song would it wow. be? Wow. <laughs> That's such an amazing question. <laughs> Thanks. It's interesting for me because I have, m- music's actually a big part of my cycling in the sense I've got, I've got so many songs that are, you know, like linked to certain goals, if that makes sense. I've got songs that I listen to every day and, you know, and every time I'm listening to them, I, I visualise where I'm going to be when that song's happening. And I'll, I'll give you the best example. And I've just, I found the song that, and this is not my, this is not by any means my favourite song in the world, but it's a very special song. And the song that I would pick, that I've had to only hear it for the rest of my life because it's so related to my goal of winning the Tour de France is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Gin. And the reason why is that, you know, every time, I, every day when I listen to that song, I visualise this so intensely, right? And this, this is actually going to happen. It's going to be such a beautiful moment. When I win the Tour de France, this is what's going to happen, right? I'm going to win it. They're going to fly me back from Paris to Edinburgh Airport. It's going to be in a plane, probably chartered by Nike. And I'm going to arrive at the airport. I'm going to walk off the plane. There will be, you know, tens of thousands of people there to arrive me back. The first Scottish one of the tour. I'm going to be walking through the airport, you know, through the baggage and all that. And then get to the bit where it's like the arrivals. And that song's obviously going to be playing the whole time. And then just as the chorus kicks into that, you know, don't stop believing. That's just when I walk through the doors in that yellow jersey. First Scottish one of the Tour de France. And then the airport will be absolutely packed. There'll be Scotland flags everywhere. I'll be singing Don't Stop Believing. Everybody will be singing it. And then from there, we're going to do a massive cycle from Edinburgh Airport into Princess Street. And it'll be the mass, the biggest fucking party Edinburgh has ever seen. And that is the song for me. And that is a song for my goal. And that is a song for my life. You know, you're you're now part of this journey because we've had this chat today and, you know, I've extended an invitation for you to be on in Paris on the day when I win that. So I'll see you in Paris. I'll see you in Paris. Best road to cycle on in the world. Oh, what? These are incredible questions. <laughs> well, I don't get to ask everybody that one. For me, there's, there's, only, there's only one road. It is the Champs-Élysées in Paris. It's the absolute pinnacle of cycling. It is the, it is the final... It's the end of the Tour de France. It's you know where the winners of the Tour de France ride up. It's it's absolutely heaven. It's, it's where I'm going to spend many many glorious years. Here's a wild card one. Favorite childhood meal. I was actually a really fussy eater when I was young, and my my mum and dad used to give me fifty p to try a food. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> my best childhood food is probably 
my granny's chips. My granny used to make amazing homemade chips, and you know, I don't. I'll be honest with you, I don't really eat chips these days. It's not really part of my diet, but they were incredible. And the question that I ask everybody in the podcast is, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, I know this so easily. Mock it. Yes! I love it. Mock it is just <laughs> such a great word. It really is. I'm sure you've been mock it many a day. <laughs> like mock it is like my usual state. <laughs> I love it. Can I ask a question? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm scared. This is just like a question for, for the audience and for people listening. Just one one thing to take away to ask yourself is, you know, it's a question that we never really got too deep into this subject, but, you know, that when I was in the hospital, when, you know, I had that suicide attempt, you know, I was sitting in the hospital chapel and, you know, I was faced with the question of, like, you know, who am I and why am I here? Asking myself that question, who am I and why am I here? That was the that was the question that, that changed my life. That was what set me out in that journey of, you know, getting on the bike and, you know, walking away from my old life. Because, you know, when I was younger, you know, I would have told you I was just a drinker. I was a party boy. I was whatever you want to call it. And that was my life. And I realized, you know, that was just something that I was a story I was telling myself, you know, that's not who I was. And that isn't who I was meant to be. And I was here for more. And so I would just like yourself or, you know, for anybody just listening to this, just to have a wee think about, you know, who am I and why am I here? Even the way you, you ask it, you know, you ask who am I first and then why am I here? Because I think that a big part of kind of working out why you're here is first to understand who you are because it's, you know, it starts with that self-awareness of, you know, like who am I and then how, what, you know, like how am I first? Because that's going to tell you why you're here, I think. And just for me, it's like just so important. When you understand who you are and, you know, that self-awareness and, you know, what you're good at, what you're bad at, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, once you can really fully understand that, you can kind of understand how to go about it and what to dedicate yourself to and what to work towards. And, you know, it's just such a beautiful question. I think I'll need to add that one to the thingamabobs list. That's, that's <laughs> not one of those quick fire questions. <laughs> well, listen, this has been incredible. I really appreciate you joining the Bra Brave clan, as it were. I wish you all the best. And I, and I think you are an inspiration. And I'm looking forward to that day in Paris already. Can I wait? Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.